0: Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I'm a licensed psychologist here in Georgia coming to you with your next mental health moment. And today we will be discussing boundaries. July is National Minority Mental Health Month and I wanna spend some time this month talking about issues that are related to typically underserved groups, particularly when it comes to therapy. And these issues are not necessarily limited to those ethnically and racially diverse groups, but there are things that I commonly hear people talk about. So boundaries is a universal thing, but when it comes to boundaries, there are some specific things that I think it's important to highlight that we will discuss today. Now, many of you are going to either have had these things done to you that I'm about to describe, or you have been a person who has done these things to other people. Here in the South, we are a very familiar, casual, comfortable culture, and frequently we touch people. We touch people when we're talking to them. We have a habit of touching people's hair and skin. I've had a lot of people over the years just come and touch my face. We see people touching the faces of babies or touching children. Oh, it's such a beautiful child. Uh, and they'll put their hands on children and you see people just kind of cringe. Uh, I've also seen people when they are greeting each other with hugs or kisses. Um, some people are the slap you on the back kind of folks when they're laughing or touch you on the shoulder, when they're talking to you, maybe touch you on the leg, when they're conversing with you. I very much know some people that when they hug people, those hands slide on down uh, and they inappropriately touch someone or graze someone on the buttocks. I've definitely known uh, people to think that, um, oh, you're uncomfortable with people touching you, so let me touch you more so I can make you more comfortable with that. Uh, that is not an appropriate use of exposure, uh, nor is it recommended psychologically, just as an FYI. I also know people that force their children to hug loved ones and relatives, like, oh, give your auntie a hug, oh, get right? And so uh, we frequently struggle with this notion of. When is it appropriate to touch people or not touch people? And even beyond people, touch their personal belongings. Sometimes people will come in and they'll touch your stuff, or people will be in your space. You may be at work and somebody will come into your office and they just start talking to you about personal business as you're in the middle of work. Like we just have some challenges dynamic uh, navigating, or rather, the dynamics of everyone's space. And we think because we're comfortable with things, Other people are comfortable with things. You've probably been on an airplane with people that sit beside you and they just tell you their life story when all you really wanted to do was read a book or watch a movie or just take a nap. So it's important that we talk about these things, one, because boundaries are things that are taught early in life, or uh, it is recommended that they are, even with our young kiddos, talking to them about personal space and touch in their bodies and being comfortable with their bodies, but also... How to set boundaries with the other people around touching them but also it gets into this notion of consent like I, I think that oftentimes we get very comfortable in assuming that we have people's permission to touch them or be in their space and we think by virtue of a particular type of relationship sometimes that that gives us an automatic pass to be able to touch people touch their things be in their space Even if they haven't necessarily given us permission to do so. And I know we often talk about consent when it comes to um, engaging in sexual behaviors, but that is not the only time that consent is important. And it is very important that we recognize that in order for someone to consent, they have to be psychologically, emotionally, cognitively. capable of being able to make that decision. And frequently we put people in those positions to consent when they really don't have the ability or capacity to be able to consent. Uh, And and we want to make sure that any interactions that we have, that a person is not feeling compelled or obligated or fearful. uh, And so they just allow us to do it but may not necessarily be comfortable with it and oftentimes we take people not responding not saying anything right you slap that person on the butt and they just kind of walk off and don't say anything and, and you take that uh, to mean that they were comfortable with that when really they were very uncomfortable with that uh, but may have not felt safe enough to be able to say anything about it. Uh, And even as we're talking about being able to engage in relationships and those boundaries, how do I decide who to get in a relationship with and what type of relationship? Then we make some assumptions about people being able to make good decisions and consent to relationships, particularly if there is a significant age difference. And that is also not necessarily the case because we know whenever there are power dynamics in a relationship, then that will maybe compel someone to engage in things That they're very uncomfortable with. And and we see this also a lot um, when it comes to. uh, I like to look at the dynamic of of older women and younger men because frequently people look at the other dynamic and don't consider our young boys. But there are definitely uh, women who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s engaging young boys who are in their, who are 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. And that dynamic is not in a place where that young boy can consent because he's not developmentally even at a place where he would be able to do so. Uh, And so we will say that um, people were dating when they really weren't dating because dating implies that there is a consent present uh, and that doesn't necessarily end up being the case in some of these situations. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. So... Uh, frequently people have this adverse reaction to hearing words such as sexual harassment or sexual assault or rape. And so they immediately, because of that visceral response to those words, like, oh, I'm not that I don't do that. I'm not. Right. But oftentimes we are putting ourselves in situations where we may not necessarily describe ourselves in those terms, but we are engaging in behaviors that absolutely would meet those criteria. And so people frequently will tell me that there's no way that I could rape my partner, uh, my spouse, my, my girlfriend, boyfriend, um, because we're in a relationship. So that gives me ongoing consent all the time. I don't have to continue to ask this person, check in with this person about whether or not they want to engage And, and that is absolutely, absolutely not true. So let me go ahead and dispel that myth for you right that, right now. It is absolutely possible for you to rape your partner. Um, And and consent needs to be enthusiastic. Permission needs to be granted. And and I know some of you are like, oh, what do I have to get a contract every time I want to engage my partner? Um, Not necessarily. But what I will say to you is when a person is giving consent, they are allowing you to be in their space. Then there are some behavioral things that a person will engage in to let you know that, yes, they want to engage in this behavior, their participation. When you see people stiffen up, that is not an indication that they're comfortable. Uh, so it is it is on us to pay attention to our partners and to people around us. The ownership is on us. Uh, so this person is stiffening up, then they are not comfortable. And so that means we need to adjust. And I need to check in with this person, hey, what's going on? I'm, I'm noticing your body language is stiffening. Um, when somebody is is wanting to engage in a behavior, then they're gonna reciprocate. They are going to be just as passionate as you are about engaging in that behavior. And so if they are motionless there, that is not active participation, i.e. that is not consent. Um, And the same is true if we look at other behaviors, like a person coming into your office, and I know this is a common thing uh, that people will complain to me about. People will come, they'll be in their offices working and people will come, they won't knock. They'll just, just push the door open and come on in and start talking to a person while they're in the middle of something. This person typing while you're talking to them, not engaging you, that is not consent. They are not giving you a permission. They are not saying this is okay behavior. What they are saying to you is, I wish that you would allow me to focus on my work because that's what I came here to do. I'm not necessarily interested in this conversation at this time. Uh, And and maybe I'm not interested in this conversation at all, but, but it is important that we consider all available information when we're talking about navigating these boundaries. Uh, and and sometimes we um, mistake people not speaking up again as uh, volition, they are interested in engaging in this. But but I encourage you to consider that sometimes people don't feel comfortable speaking up for a variety of reasons. They may have had a previous traumatic experience speaking up. Um, they may have been taught in their families to respect. They respect people in authority, you respect their coworkers, right? so you to you just, um, allow people who have a certain uh, level of authority in your mind or a certain position, it might be a family member to do the things that they want to do, even if it's uncomfortable for you, because you've been taught that that's what you're supposed to do. Um, there are also people that are very fearful. If I, if I don't, um, allow you to do whatever this behavior is that you're attempting, then it could be worse for me. And so my silence may allow this to be over quicker. I may be able to get through this. This a protective mechanism for me, might allow me to be more safe. And so I caution people against just blanketly saying, well, y'all to speak up if you don't like something, usually you are wrong. you could write. So we we make some assumptions about people being able to use their voices when their voices may have been taken from them previously. And that might be something they're, they're working on, um, is their assertiveness, their ability to be able to emphatically say no? Um, they may be using more nonverbals to communicate that message. But again, the ownership is on you to be paying attention to these nonverbals instead of bullying people into things that may not be comfortable for them. And 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 I think it's important that we recognize that there are just some dynamics that are very different in our relationships, whether that is a male talking to a female, a, a larger female talking to a smaller male or a smaller female, if that's a parent talking to a child, regardless of the age, um, if that is someone in a leadership position, a pastor, a, a, a employer, um, those kinds. Of, so that already sets up these hierarchies in the relationship. And, and often, again, people are not comfortable speaking up against someone who they perceive to have that level of power over them. And so it is, and even in our friendship, sometimes we don't want to hurt people's feelings. Uh, We've been taught, like, if you love someone, then you give them grace and allowances. And even if that means that you're uncomfortable, that's the sacrifice you make so that someone else could be more comfortable. Like, that's how you express your love for them. And so I, I think it's important that we are aware of these things so we don't inadvertently become bullies to people by forcing what we want to do onto them. Um, I, I, think it's, I think it's very important also that we just adopt a policy of being a little more formal in our interactions as opposed to more casual. And that doesn't mean um, that you don't very sternly stand in front of people. Oh, how are you today? I just want to make sure that it's okay that I talk. Because I think that's very dismissive of a person's experience, and I think that it's also making light of something that is a very significant issue. We we, much, we very much know um, domestic violence and child abuse uh, are, are things that people struggle with uh, more frequently than we would like to be comfortable talking about, but that also people are, are victims of, of um, sexual assault. Uh, and, and that our children uh, are often exposed to things at early ages that sh- later shape them in life to have some challenges in terms of how they engage others sexually. So these are real things that we need to talk about and we need to start again early. So I want to give you some guidelines and some boundaries that I think may be helpful in terms of just re- respecting people's personal space, setting these boundaries and, and being able to navigate these social interactions, particularly now that COVID has happened. We're evaluating now even more than ever, how much do we really need to touch people and touch people's things? How you know Do we wanna limit the amount of contact we just have in general to reduce risk factors for a lot of things? So I think these guidelines can be helpful for that as well. Um, again, I wanna remind people that a lack of response is not an indication of consent or comfort. Um, just because somebody doesn't say anything when you do something doesn't mean they're comfortable with it. So I encourage you to to check their nonverbals, uh, their body language, how, how their body is moving, have their eye contact um, when you are engaging them in particular behaviors, particularly if you're in a person's space. Um, those are some good times to look at that. Um, we are looking for enthusiastic uh, participation as a sign of consent as opposed to Um, a passive acceptance, which again may be a fear response and a person just trying to keep themselves safe. So guide off the other person, Um, be observant of them, see how they move, see what they do, and that is usually a good indicator. They're sweating, um, their hands are shaking, uh, their voice is trembling, that's maybe an indicator that they are uncomfortable in that situation and you need to back off. And we wanna err on the side of caution. Particularly as we're dealing with people, as I mentioned, uh, if there's dynamics, um, cha- differences in, in size, differences in gender, um, a stranger versus someone that we're uh, that may be a family member. A lot of times we engage strangers very casually and comfortably. Uh, we don't even know these people, much less what their boundaries may be. Um, if it's a romantic versus a platonic relationship, uh, those dynamics may be very different they are different for different cultures Uh, as i mentioned earlier this is minority mental health awareness month and and often uh people of diverse ethnic backgrounds have different dynamics around how they want to be engaged and you will commonly hear people say they don't like people coming up touching them touching their hair touching their skin touching their children touching their things um, from various ethnic groups and and they see that as a violation of their privacy and of their space um and it can tend to cause friction in some interactions with people uh don't reach for other people's children without their permission i know these babies are beautiful uh children are light and sunshine and you just want to gobble them up and touch them and, and but you have to be mindful this is not your child this is someone else's child and you need to one respect someone else's boundaries around their children and two we want to again teach our children how to be able to navigate their own boundaries, and who comes in their space. And so kids often don't even know to do that at younger ages. They haven't been taught that yet. And at older age, and even sometimes at older ages, they're guiding off their parents. So respect the kid's space. You can definitely say, oh, well, you are a a beautiful little girl or or a handsome young man or however you choose to compliment this young scholar, Uh, but you can do that without touching them. Um, and and gawking at them and staring at them, which is another thing that I think people are not aware that they're doing. Um, that makes people uncomfortable too, and that's another boundary issue, just staring at people. Um, even if you do find them attractive or or something about them um, is inviting, staring at them uh, could also be a violation of, of their space, so being mindful of that. Um, don't go through people's belongings. Like Stop, stop touching people's stuff. Like People share office space sometimes and people will come to folks desk and touch their coffee mug and get their pens and oh like i like the way your your little notepad to look like you don't need to be touching other people's face if you like their belongings you can definitely ask them where they purchased them from and if they want to share that with you they will then you can get your own but don't get in the habit of just touching people's stuff going through uh, purses i know that is something that a lot of women find uh to be a violation others are like hey go get this out of my purse but again they're Giving you permission, and I will see a lot of people just bring the woman the purse instead of going in the purse to get those items uh, because they want to keep keep that space and respect it. Leaning over people's shoulders, and like people will be like, "Oh, what are you doing?" and they're just leaning all over you or leaning all in your space. That's another one that I encourage people: like, back up. You don't need to be that close to someone. Uh, again, in, in the era of COVID, now we're trying to encourage six feet, but even beyond that. Uh, we don't need to be so close to people. You will see neighbors um, come outside at the same time and one neighbor is like just all in another neighbor's face and you see the other neighbor continue to keep backing up and backing up. Be mindful that even though for you that may be a way that you show people that you care about them, you respect them, you're happy to see them, honor their space by keeping that distance. Again, guide off them. And I mean this goes to other things as well. Some some of you uh are, are tailgators. You ride people's car bumpers when you are frustrated in traffic. That's another boundary too. Like you don't I know you're frustrated and this person is driving really slow and irritating you. You're already late. Uh now mind you most of the time we're frustrated with ourselves because we left late but we're gonna be mad at these people that's out here driving the speed limit. But that's neither here nor there. But you don't have to ride uh up against somebody's bumper or um veer, uh, speed off really quick and get in front of them and then put on your brakes, right? These are, again, boundaries that we're violating. Um You don't need to cut in front of people in line. Some people just have, they don't even look around. They just walk up. There's that uh, kind of sense of entitlement. Well, I'm ready to check out. I'm ready to go. Y'all take it too long. lot of me. Go ahead and get... Um, Look around yourself. Observe. Who else is around? Is someone else waiting? Is there a line that I possibly didn't notice that I need to attend to? Check in with people. Oh, hey, were you waiting? Um, Instead of just bogarting your way up to something. Um, Be mindful of the policies and procedures that are in place in your office settings about how to interact with your coworkers. A lot of times we take our comfortable, casual family relationships into our work environment. And I encourage you not to do that. Everybody doesn't want to know about what you do on the weekend. Everybody doesn't want to talk to you about what they did on the weekend. And it's important that we respect people's face. I know that we think that is a way we get to know people, but it is again, a person's right and privilege to be able to share with you what they're comfortable sharing. They need to give consent, if you will, to sharing that information. That's just not something you're entitled to because this is a work relationship. So at work, focus on work. If people want to talk about personal things, they may do that on break or at lunch. But again, it is their right not to do so. They're not being mean. They're not arrogant and stuck up and uh, think that you're not good enough for them. They simply have the right to choose what they share. And I encourage you not to take that personally, but again, to respect their personal space. Um, it is important that we teach our kids, I mentioned earlier, about boundaries and space. There are A lot of age-appropriate books that teach kids about personal space, good touch, bad touch. We hear that phrase a lot. But also just about touching other spaces, other people, being in their spaces, sharing. Those kind of things are important to teach our kids. Um, Practice ways to talk to your children about when they're uncomfortable with someone being in their space so they can have that voice of empowerment that some of us weren't able to receive growing up or it was taken away from us and so we're later in life trying to figure it out. We are in a position where we can teach our kids at younger ages to be able to have those voices. It's important that you know what your boundaries are. um, You know your values, that you practice those boundaries with friends and being able to express yourself so you're more comfortable being able to do that. And to listen to yourself and trust your feelings because a lot of times we feel uncomfortable about something, but we don't really know why. So we're just like, "Uh, I'll ignore it and just go ahead and do something that maybe there's something in me that's telling me "Mm, that's not what you want to do. I encourage you to listen to yourself, your, whatever that is, your discernment. Some people say that's their gut. Some people um, say that there, there is that, that the people that our ancestors that love and care about us, it's like, Hey, Hey, uh, warning, warning, danger, right? So listen to that because that more often than not, is going to be accurate. And I'd rather you again, err on the side of caution. So what I want you to take from this video is you have the right to set your boundaries. You deserve to be able to have those boundaries respected. And again, you don't have to agree with a person's boundaries. It may not be how you, what your boundaries are, but it is important that you maintain a person's boundaries. So regardless of if you think that they are valid or just or understand them, you still respect them enough to maintain that boundary because that is, again, the, the what this person said as what's comfortable for them and what they're getting consent and permission for someone else to do to them, okay? Be encouraged and be boundaried.